You're listening to the Beyond the Cuckoo's Nest podcast presented by Red Flag Canberra, Mental Health Action, and this is my Brave Australia, dedicated to breaking stigma one story at a time. I'm Jane Grace from Red Flag Canberra. And I'm Tim Daly from This Is My Brave Australia, and you're listening to Beyond the Cuckoo's Nest. Our guest today is Lisa Mossman. I first met Lisa when she auditioned for our Central Coast Timber Show last year. Lisa shared her story of her lived experience on stage dressed as an armadillo. I'll let Lisa explain that one later. Lisa has gone on to start the J&B Foundation on the Central Coast and established the therapeutic garden space at Epicenter at San Remo on the Central Coast. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Jane here as well. And I also met you up at the show on the Central Coast and was fortunate to watch your performance in the show as the Armadillo, which was an incredibly moving performance. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure lots of people would like to know why you got up on stage in front of 80 people dressed as an armadillo. So um, I saw the launch show at uh, Tugra and as everything was being presented, it was in, it inspired me about my journey and the things that, you know, I had been happening in my life. And I sort of... Um, felt that throughout my journey, I was very kind of sheltered and just didn't, you know, in a shell and not really wanting to um, be a part of community and, and actually talk or be anywhere really. So um, I took a lot of notes and sort of put a bit of a plan together as that meeting progressed. And then um, I was so inspired and then, you know, had been talking to several people after that presentation, um, Ruth and Ronnie and Roscoe, um, and they just the, their stories and some of the stuff that they were talking about as well and the journeys just really inspired me to audition and be part of it. And then I thought to myself straight away, oh, my goodness, I need a costume. I cannot do this, which is a bit of a cliche, right? But, um, you know, I cannot do this within my regular image because if, if you're going to be an armadillo, then you may as well be a proper armadillo. <laughs> and um, show that you're an armadillo because it just, I, just, I just don't think it would have been as effective without it. So I was very excited when I was able to organise the, uh, the the suit. Telling your story, you were using the armadillo as an example of you going into your shell at various times when things had happened in your life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So utilising the shell and, you know, the hidden... Um, and it just goes to show, right, that uh, mental health can just be... In, in many forms and also um, people see themselves differently throughout their journey as well. Oh, definitely, definitely. And yeah. I, because I, from what I understood, and I'd been, I'd talked to you before as well. We talked online, yeah. I think, and then I met you at the, at the launch and talking to you. And 
I sort of understood that you'd been in your, your armadillo mode for a little while before that because I know some people who were involved in the show, like you said before, had said that um, you hadn't been around for a while and it was good to see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a really great thing about the connection that I now have with the Epicentre as well because, um, you know, like um, the Epicentre has been part of my journey and had been part of that growth and um, I guess the rehabilitation of after I'd had my surgeries and during the time around when my grandson was around um, through to, you know, after they passed away as well. So, you know, like, I mean, what better way to, you know, be part of that community and, and just try and create something really fantastic. So, yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about the therapeutic garden space at Epicenter? Like, how was that created? So there was a garden space there initially. And unfortunately, when I, the ladies who used to run it were quite elderly and were no longer able to um, facilitate the garden space. So um, after connecting with um, Gillian from the Epicenter um, after, during, throughout during the show and um, production, we had a meeting and then she asked me what it was I wanted to do. And she said, well, this space is available so you can do what you want with it. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So it just, um, so the garden actually provides food for the community. So they run a community kitchen there in the space and um, the garden is looking absolutely green and lush at the moment. And um, I picked out some fresh spinach and parsley and cherry tomatoes um, the other week. And unfortunately due to the COVID-19 um, epidemic at the moment, there's not a lot happening there within community. So, um, which is a bit of a shame, but you know, it's, as it is and you know, we all have to work through all that I suppose but um, I've been doing some other things behind the scenes like trying to um, trying to get seeds on a larger scale maybe and try and get some sponsors to be able to sponsor ongoing um, ongoing seeds and products for the garden space and I also purchased some products myself um, which is uh, and it's, it's absolutely thriving like i've got um ornament like a organic sage in purple sage in there which is um just come up really beautifully there's lavender in there there's heaps and heaps of mint there's lemon balm there's marigolds and one of the things that some of the community members spoke about when i first came on board was that they wanted color um, and there are lots and lots of marigolds in there and lots of purple and, um, yeah, it's just blooming. It's amazing. <laughs> wow. So you've been, you've been driving that a lot. You've been heavily involved in gardening there? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. that's So awesome. I've been going there, yeah, every week to sort of do that and sort of, and I had one friend of mine who was helping me on a bit of a regular basis. So, yeah, so she was looking at doing some volunteer stuff and she likes the garden as well. So we've done some planting, we've we've created a little succulent space. There's um yeah, there's all sorts of different things going on in there. Um, you know, obviously gardens are not an overnight thing, so you know, it all takes time and 
it's um yeah it's progressing it's looking really good gardens are a good symbol aren't they of regrowth and yeah, progression definitely. and you yeah. like you said you it's, it starts off slowly when you plant the seeds but then things grow and turn into something beautiful so um yeah, yeah. It, it, it just shows that progression and then when the garden is grown and like it's because it's called the therapeutic garden space it's just That's a good great. place to sit and contemplate isn't it yeah, definitely, definitely. And the great thing about it too is that the the centre has this um, like a workshop for kids, and there's been a couple of kids who were really um, in really want to be involved in gardening, and we did some seed planting, um, and then the, this young young boy also showed me how he cultivated a mango seed and avocado seed. And I was just like, oh my God, like I've never been able to do that myself. So, you know, just drawing on some inspiration from the younger generations as well was quite was quite amazing. Um, I, and I was saying this to um, Gillian, I think, or someone, I forget, but sometimes when I go to the garden, it's just me and that's okay. Because sometimes in your own journey, you just want to be on your own, which is that armadillo going back in in the space again <laughs> whereas other times you know you thrive and you want people to be around you and you want to share and and but you know sometimes a garden you just want to be in that space to be able to create and work within your own thoughts and yeah so it's yeah. very fulfilling and very um very inspiring to do that as well sometimes on side, so. yeah sometimes you need armadillo mode just to clear the head don't you just to yeah. Get rid of yeah. all those things that are cluttering it up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and, yeah. and keep everything out because that was a very um, strong visual on stage when you were doing it, you, where you'd you'd crouch down and put your head down, and <laughs> and the shell would be there, the impenetrable shell of the armadillo would be there, yeah, that's going right. stay out for now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let me alone. Just yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really. <laughs> so, why do you think? sharing of stories in this space especially around mental health is so important i think it's really important because it, it it gives people hope that when you go through things in your life no matter big or small that that i you know over time and with with support that you you can get through it um and that you know if you share a journey that it can it can give that little bit of inspiration to somebody else um, and to help them create a purpose for who they are. Um, and, and that's like one of the clear messages from the foundation that I have created that, you know, your journey of finding your purpose is, is you know, something that will really shine. Um, and it's not for everyone, obviously, storytelling um you know other people do their writing or their music or anything like that um but yeah it's definitely and you know not it's not an easy task for everyone to get up on stage and tell a story or even i suppose being in a podcast really right so <laughs> <laughs> i thought podcasts were only for, for professionals <laughs> Oh no, everyone can do a podcast. It's, it's just like everything else. It's just talking and telling stories. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, it's just really important for people to find whatever it is that, that works for them. Um, and that's the most important thing. Um, I mean, if you had said to me four years ago, 
hey, do you want to do this and get up on stage? I would have went, no chance. No, no, no way in the world I'd do something like that. Yes, you need to be at a certain stage in your life to be able to then share. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. especially if you've got mental health issues, you need to be a fair way along your journey before you can get up and expose yourself like that to an audience. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I guess it depends on how raw you want it to be as well because your audience, it's hard for your audience to hear that rawness um, and whether or not you want to make it raw or you, if you want to, you know, as in my story, it's just a little bit of a roller coaster and, you know, the armadillo journey. So, I mean... Yeah, I'm sure there's like a, a Stephen King-sized novel that I could write. <laughs> yeah, because we did the show, we only give our performers around five minutes, which is never long enough for anybody no. to tell their whole story. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We could have yeah. one show with one person and just keep going like yeah. that. So, so do you think that being part of the show was a good experience, a positive experience for you and the other cast members? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it certainly has given me a bit of a drive to want to be able to, I mean, I guess maybe without the foundation, it might have been different. But for me, it injected this whole new um, journey. It injected this inspiration of a whole different journey that I can now, you know, continue. So, um yeah, yeah. Did you have to go through uh, battles with yourself even during the process of audition, rehearsal, doing the draft of your story, like even throughout the process of your participation? Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I think, um, you know, there were times in auditions when... It was like, oh, my goodness, it's my turn to get up. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I'm there, I'm raw. Obviously, it was only to the other participants at that time. But, um, you know, with knowing that maybe I might have had the costume um, was definitely like, you know, a draw card thinking, oh, yes, I will be able to do this, but no one will really be able to see me. And I guess that's the thing. With, with your journey, with your mental health is that that people people don't really see you right. Like they either do in a very negative way, um, sometimes depending on, you know, the environment um, and the way that you, that you are within yourself. You're listening to the Beyond the Cuckoo's Nest podcast presented by Red Flag Canberra. And this is my brave Australia. So you started the J&B Foundation last year, about yes. December last year, was it? Just after the show? Yeah, just after the show, yeah. So, yeah. And I launched it just before my daughter, my late daughter's birthday. Um, so I had it there ready for people to, to, for people to, see to look at. Yeah, yeah. So explain yeah. to us about the J&B Foundation as, as much as you want to tell us, obviously. Yep, yep. So the purpose or? Whatever you feel free to share about the <laughs> And its purpose, yeah. So the purpose is about um, helping. It's, it's a garden space for women 
created for women um, who have experienced their own mental health journey um, and it's helping them finding their own journey and purpose, whatever that may be. Um, so, for example, I've had some women who have been helping at the garden through the community, um, what is it that they, they do, the community service program that they have to do that mm -hmm. comes through the centre. Yep. And, you know, I spoke to that mum, that lady about how, you know, just because you have to do this because you are bound by your, um, what you've been told to do, think about the future and how you can connect yourself to community and the growth that you may have within yourself um, because these are the these are the solid foundations of what you can be or do in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, whether it be a garden space or some other type of, you know, volunteering, that it's really important for people to connect to their community no matter what. Yeah, so, the, and the garden, you know, so obvious, as I mentioned before, the garden will produce food for the local community space. Um, it would be nice for the garden to, um, I hope to cultivate different herbs and, you know, give them to people as well. So like bay leaf, rosemary, um, maybe making some soaps in the future and different oils, mm -hmm. um, some herbal teas. So, um, you know, like I mentioned too, that a garden space is not overnight, like, and this is something that, um, the manager of the Epic Centre did speak to me about was that it's not an over, it, like it takes time, which I, I totally get. And eventually it would be nice to even have um, accumulate funds so that um, the foundation can support um, services so that women can access services. So for example, if there isn't funding for someone to actually seek a counsellor or if that counsellor has closed their books or things like that that you know another service can be created so that these women can have access to a service so you know that's something that may happen later on down the track but that's definitely something that i'd like like to be able to do so definitely um yeah it, it's interesting you're talking about connection to the community because again if we use the armadillo as that um as the symbolism on that is that yeah. if you do go into armadillo mode, you can't stay like that forever. You need for some sort of recover, recovery or therapy, you need to reconnect to community, don't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think for, within these troubled times at the moment too, that it is very difficult for people to connect to community and, um, you know, just to get out there and to be able to do the things that they would normally do. I mean, you know, the internet space and everything is not for everybody. I mean, a lot of people don't like getting on and doing that sort of stuff. I mean, sometimes it does your head in, you know? <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, in, in these times, um, the media is actually something you want to stay away from because the the they oversell everything and yeah. they say, and you don't want to hear constantly about how many people have died or how many people are sick or someone's done this or someone's done that. Sometimes you just want to break from that and go, we understand it's happening, but I don't need to hear about it every minute of the day. Yeah. And yeah. What's, what kind of plans do you have for other activities or events in the future? 
in the garden space it would be nice. Is that what you mean? Oh, in the garden and also any other things that you're thinking about. Oh, okay, sure. So in the garden space it would be nice to be able to offer people like workshops on how to maybe create their own little therapeutic garden space in their home if that's what they wanted to do. Um, and or um, I'd like to be able to offer um, my time to create therapeutic garden spaces at different locations. Um, so, for example, hospitals, if they haven't already got it into the space, nursing homes, um, other different types of locations. Yeah, so that, that would be really good. I already have actually presented Armadillo to um, a conference-style setting at Ramwick Hospital um, in the mental health component through there because I had a, had a connection with them throughout um, uh, my daughter's um, my daughter's case through the mental health uh, sector and um, they just yeah they just loved it so that was uh, delivered to over 200 mental health clinicians and staff um, the, there's the psychologists and and other various um, professionals in that sector so ideally too that would be really good to be able to do that up on the central coast in various different levels I have sent out some to various um a proposal but i mean i sent out the the presentation component and wrote a little story but i'm not exactly sure how to get that over the line further and sort of you know push for that part of it um to be able to promote the garden and the foundation and you know what exactly it is what i you know to offer and or to get people to be a part of it so well yes. don't get discouraged because you're doing good work in that space and the <laughs> uh, and and you've got the armadillo suit so you might as well use it yeah no. <laughs> i don't think you can use it for anything else unless you're going to a fancy dress party or something so you might as well make the most of it so how's things on the central coast at the moment uh quiet actually <laughs> I mean, usually Wyorg has a, you know, a colourful array of people around, but um, it's very, I must say it's very quiet at the moment. And um, where I live, we, um, we, have, we live on the top level and uh, three balconies and one of them actually has our, our cat enclosure in it, which you can freely. And I've just been sitting out there and basking in the sun and listening uh. to the birds and reading i even picked up a book the other day and i don't know it's amazing how quick time can fly when you just sort of you know i don't yeah yeah someone said <laughs> that the other day the days are going past so quickly at the moment yeah it's weird right like yeah. it's so weird <laughs> and it'd be it'd be interesting up in the central coast because usually at easter you'd it'd be really really busy yeah yeah definitely and quite chaotic and yeah people everywhere but um it's uh yeah like I even went to over at the super center yesterday I had to grab coffee um got to get my priorities yeah. and, <laughs> for our machine um and um uh like even the, the clothes shops are shut and there's just like nobody around it was just quite weird it's, yeah, it's very different it's very, to how it used to be right very so, eerie isn't it yeah when yeah, you go out in the street and there's no one there so yeah but yeah. i'm enjoying the quiet 
that's I'm really enjoying that. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sure I'll get over it eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> start to get bored and my foot will start tapping. So. So are you, I know. Con- are you concerned that there might be a rise in domestic violence cases up on the central coast with COVID? I. Uh, yeah, look, and I've read a couple of different things around that, which is quite interesting. Um, I've even actually touched base with a friend the other day and she opened up to me and I tried to um, ascertain whether or not she was safe and I it was quite interesting. I couldn't actually get that answer out of her, which was a bit concerning, um, you know, but that just goes to show you what that's like, I suppose, right? Because, you know, in the DV component of things happening in in and around us that um, sometimes people don't really share openly. Even though she reached out and she was asking me for, she was asking me for a reference letter and and stuff. And then I was just like, yeah, 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 I can, I'd be happy to do that. And, and then it's sort of, yeah, I mean, yeah, DV is uh, very, very interesting. Something very close to my heart actually. And um, I'm actually undertaking study as a, in um, an undergrad of domestic and family violence. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because with isolation, unfortunately, the perpetrators of domestic violence are in the home. So yeah. they're there all the time. And you can imagine it'd be hard for for a victim of domestic violence to actually have some space to themselves to actually talk to someone about it. So that makes it a little bit more difficult, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. For sure, because they can't get out and do the things that they normally do and, you know, have that space and to be able to go and, yeah, make that contact. And, like, um, I'm part of the um, family and carer support group. And, I mean, that has been an array of, you know, strength and inspiration for me. And it's been been like that ever since um, my daughter passed away. Like, I've kept connected with them and... You know, they're now offering an online support service, which I think would be very interesting too, because it's just like, mm. normally we do the face-to-face and you can see people and, you know, it's just like, although I always seem to forget when it's on. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, the whole telehealth thing, isn't it? Is that a lot of people like some people like it some people don't like it at all because it's not that face-to-face and it doesn't seem to be as effective for some people no no because it you know when you're face-to-face with people it it has that different um releases those different um hormones in your body and things like that right so Yeah. yeah and the brain so yeah whereas um i don't know it i guess when you when you're online it perhaps seems to be a little bit intimidating, a little. And you're also, when people talk online or messaging or whatever, there's still mm. that, there's that, for want of a better word, unrealness about the whole process because you're sitting in your lounge room talking to yeah. someone on a computer and it just doesn't seem real sometimes. No. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But at least, yeah. but I suppose it's better than nothing because if people didn't have uh, access to that, they'd have access to nothing, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel sorry for people who would who aren't computer savvy, I suppose, because then they would be even more isolated and even more be more of a challenge for them because they, you know, may not 
understand how to access these means as well. So, you know, to be able to navigate them, to be able to be connected. Well, we were talking about that the other day. It's not only the elderly who are not computer savvy, but also the disadvantaged economically who can they afford internet? Can they afford a laptop? Can they afford credit on their phone to do these things? So they're the other things you have to, when people who are disadvantaged are isolated, they can be really isolated. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's for some people, it's the norm that they're the things that you would, that are luxuries that you, that you just can't do without. And it doesn't seem like, you know, well, why would you not have that? But yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because never, I never actually thought of it like that because yeah, I've always just had a service where I, it's readily available, it's right here, yeah. Yeah, because unfortunately with people losing their jobs too and that gap between the the job seeker or the job keeper payments, yes, something yes. has to go. So um, if you, you have to pay your rent and you have to pay your utilities, maybe it's the internet that you can't afford at the end of the day. So, mm. Yeah, that's a bit rough, isn't it? It is, it is. So there's a, and, and that affects your mental health at the same time, doesn't it? If you've... Yes. I mean, people with mental health issues feel isolated at times already. And, yeah, and yeah. then they're having this uh, social isolation foisted upon them. It can be a good thing for them or it can be a bad thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just hope that, that um, you know, the health system really picks it up and re- the government obviously as well, the big decision makers, really picks it up and injects a fair bit of, you know, infrastructure into the services um, that people are going to need after all of this because um, I, I, I feel like it could just come crashing down and that would be a real, that would be worse, that would be quite a difficult epi- epidemic. Yeah, another across, epidemic, yeah. Yeah, across the sector because, um, you know, with poverty and um, with the issues that come around that and just being, I mean... I don't, I personally don't have to, (coughs) sorry, result to the bare minimum of those things. So I'm very fortunate, but you know, like I, you know, I mean, yeah, not just to not be able to cook some of the things that I like would be just, I, I don't know how I would cope with that. And I'm sure that that's very difficult for some people because they have to live on way less than what, yeah. than what I do. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it, the government is injecting money into mental health, but the but the worry is, will it reach places like the epicentre who are doing that groundwork in the community? So that's what worries me, is we want those grassroots organisations who are actually working directly with people in the community to get the money to expand their services. Yeah, yeah, and look, I I spoke with Gillian this morning and just to let her know I was doing the podcast and just sort of asked her what what are some of the things that they're still doing and she said that, you know, they're able to support services through vouchers, um, welfare checks for the elderly and young people, um, checking on their mental and physical health as well, which is really amazing. So, you know, like they're doing that local um hands-on stuff which i guess that they don't really see you know like yeah so um 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's really important. You don't see it. I mean, I went up and delivered some, uh, we're donating clothes that we were donated, brand new clothes that were donated to us by Big W. And I went up to a local uh, St. John's Care who um, yeah. run care services much like the Epicenter do. And there was a lineup of people out the front when I got there. So looking for help with services. So, um, but you wouldn't normally see, you, on your day to day, you wouldn't normally see that. But because I had to go up there and donate, there was these people there, people talking about not being able to afford their rent and and um, being separated from their families and all sorts of things. So yeah, there's this undercurrent, isn't there, in the in the current circumstances of people who are on the edge there. And we've also yeah, been donating to the domestic violence shelters around here in Canberra. Um, right, okay. They're in a situation where they're really looking for support for women and for children of um, varying ages. So that's something else we've been doing too. Yeah, nice, nice. And of course, all the refuges and other services would be very full, I imagine, as well, which makes it even more of a um, more difficult situation, right? So that's the anecdotal know. stuff that we're hearing, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, what's been happening around that then? Like, how are they getting? How are they getting through there? Well, I just spoke to somebody who um, works in supporting people in government housing, and the interesting fact was that with the seven hundred and fifty dollar um, stimulation payment to people on pensions, a lot of the people in this government housing, unfortunately, and it's a horrible stereotype, but they've spent their money on drugs. They've, right. suddenly they've got this 750 in their hand and yep. they don't usually have that much money. And it's caused all sorts of problems, unfortunately, because yep. um, the drug use has just gone up through the roof. And uh, the person I was talking to said it's a real problem at the moment. Mm. Which is something you don't think of, do you? You think the money would be doing some real good in the community as well. Well, it's hard because, I mean, how can you go and spend a good amount of money if there's nothing open and you know yeah and you I, mean, I don't house, know what yeah. The, yeah i don't know what the government expected that we're going to do with it i mean it's quite interesting right like it doesn't yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, it's a hard one they, they were damned if they didn't and damned if they do so yeah yeah for sure mm, we'll just have to deal with the with the consequences of, of doing it and hopefully it works out in the end Mm. All right, mm. Lisa, thank you very much for talking to us today. Oh, no it was problem. great talking to you, and I absolutely loved hearing about your tranquil gardens. It just, oh, thank you. It sounds like a wonderful model that could be rolled out across Australia. So, um, And I really hope you send us a picture of your garden that we can put up with your podcast. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, because I, I think people, yeah, people would be really interested to see what you're doing. Okay, beautiful. So we'll do that. We'll we'll put up a picture of that, of you, of the armadillo, <laughs> and a link to the J and B Foundation so people can find out more about it. So Oh, thank you so much. That's, that's amazing. Right. Look, we we really want to support those people who are doing some good work in the community and obviously people who are close to our heart who are cast members of our shows so we love supporting people who have been in our shows so yeah well thank you i appreciate the opportunity and uh hopefully um can 
continue the good work that, that This Is My Brave is doing and offer, you know, people inspiration to be able to continue the journey. Yeah, well, it, it's nothing without people like you um, <laughs> wanting to share their story. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Lisa. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this podcast was presented and produced by Red Flag Canberra. And this is my brave Australia. Thank you for listening.